Hello, Life Point Youth. It's so good to see you tonight. My name is Josh, and I'm the youth pastor here, in case you didn't know. Thank you for joining us. Um, last week, we had a discussion where we opened up a two-part series on looking at God's provision. And we're going to continue that tonight. Last week, we talked about God's provision through our sin and through the sinful nature of humans. Uh, we, see, we saw the fall. Uh, in Genesis chapter 3 and how important um, that was it, it, to, to, to how God's relationship uh, changed with, with humankind. But even in the midst of all of the changing and, and our uh, disobedience as humanity to God, we see that God still provided for Adam and Eve. He gave them clothing that was the best of its, of, of its kind at the time. And he actually gave us the provision of death in a sinful fallen world. And I know that that's a little confusing. If that sounds confusing or sounds interesting to you, maybe you want to check that out. You can go back and listen uh, on, on our LifePoint Youth Audio podcast, or you can check out uh, the YouTube and Facebook video for that sermon uh, series, or for that, that opener. So we're going to close tonight with looking at God's uh, provision through our seasons. In the same way that God provides despite, of our, despite our sin, God also provides despite whatever season that we're in. And I think that that's incredibly encouraging to know, uh, incredibly encouraging to, to walk through, especially through a season like we're walking through right now. You know, um, a couple of years ago when I was a junior in college, uh, I know that sounds crazy, but, but two years ago I was still a junior, and um, I was serving at this youth ministry uh, where I went to school, and I... Um, I was there. I had been there for three years. I had seen a ton of transition. I had been faithful. And um, we had a really awesome leadership team that was around us. It was a great time that we were able to, um, we were able to, to just connect and really pour into the lives of students. But my junior year, at the end of this three-year stint that I had had, I noticed a shift in the culture. I noticed a shift in um, how students were responding to me as a leader personally. And um, honestly, it wasn't very good. Uh, there, were, there were things that were um, told by other youth leaders to students. Uh, there were preconceived notions that people coming into the youth ministry had about me. And um, we just got, you know, somewhere along the way, just lost our footing. And I remember one of the hardest conversations that I had was with the youth pastor at the time. And, and he was one of my really good friends. He still is. And we were talking about it. And I said, man, I don't know what it is about what's happening, but I'm just really running through a lot of obstacles at this point. And I think God's trying to tell me something. Can I take a few weeks and think about this? He said, absolutely. I came back at the end of that time and we had a meeting again. And I said, I, I really think I need to be stepping out need to be transitioning away, and I just think that, you know, my time here is done. God has used me uh, to, 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 to the potential that I could be, and, and I just think that there's something else for me. This was particularly devastating for me because I had gone through my, my college experience. I was planned out. I was like, I'm not going to be like the other people who go to the school that I went to and church hop every single week. Where, where I went to school, you could find an Assemblies of God Pentecostal, charismatic church every Sunday for all four years that you, you went to school. Like, that's the honest truth. And I was like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to serve at a place all four years of my school. I want to be faithful to them. I want to give them everything. And so to have that conversation in year three that, hey, man, I, I think I need to transition was rough for me. And to be honest, I, I, I didn't know why 
stuff was happening. I didn't know why these connections that I built for three years with leaders and students and families and parents, I didn't know why all of that seemed to be kind of flushed down the drain. It seemed to be lost and I was very, very confused. I was very, very frustrated. I was angry. But looking back at it now with this amazing rear view lens that we all have, I see how much God was able to work because I went to a youth ministry my senior year of, of college. I was able to serve faithfully with two amazing, amazing leaders at Freedom City Church in Springfield, Missouri. Shout out to Rusty and Kira. Man, I love you guys so much. But I, I, I knew that there was a reason for that looking back at it. I was so, uh, so involved with what they were doing. I was, I was their right-hand person. We were doing all sorts of stuff, reaching youth, giving them the gospel every single week. I was, I was so effective in doing that. And I knew as soon as I stepped into that, this is why God was, 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 was putting me through this. And so it reminds me of something in the Bible that I'm sure you guys are familiar with if you grew up in church. And if you don't, you want to stay tuned to this. It's in Genesis 45. Before we get into that, I'd like to just kind of give you some background information to prove that I have a degree. I'm just kidding, but, but it's good to have information. Uh, backing information. So we're going to look at Genesis 45, and this is the story of Joseph. Uh, again, if you're a church kid, you probably know this. Maybe, you're, maybe you don't. That's awesome. We love that, and we want to just be able to teach you a little more about it. So where are we at? We're in Egypt, and, and it was a place that had lacked supplied food because they, 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 uh, uh, they had been prepared for the famine. Joseph was uh, he, he had uh, visions and he could see things and he was preparing the, the land of Egypt to be fruitful in the midst of famine. That's a sermon in and of itself. And, and, and his brothers, the ones that sold him, the ones that gave him away, Joseph had, had been sold into slavery. He was told, his family was told that he was killed by his brothers. Sounds like some really bad siblings there. And they're in the middle of this famine. Well, they have to go to Egypt to go get their stuff. And Joseph, through all of the midst uh, uh, of, of toil and, and heartache and pain that he goes through, he eventually gets elevated up to one of the highest positions in the land of Egypt. And his brothers come across Joseph, but they don't even recognize him. In chapter 45, verse 4, it begins as Joseph has just revealed himself to be their brother for a second time after their fear begins. And, and this is his explanation for the reasoning behind their actions. If you didn't know, this is what Joseph has already been through so far. He's been thrown into a well and sold into slavery by his own brothers and told the family, they went back and told their family, he's, he's dead. So then he becomes a servant a slave, and he gains favor in the household. But then the wife of his slave master decides to, to try to tempt him. And he's like, no, I'm running away from this. So what he does is as he's running, he accidentally tears a piece of her clothing off. And she's like, hey, he, 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 he violated me. He did something to me. Like, you, you need to go get him. So they go grab him and they throw him in prison. And then he meets two people who worked for the palace uh, in, in Egypt, worked for the, the, the leader there. And there's two people there. They're, they're asking about his dreams. They know he can interpret dreams. That's the whole thing that got this whole situation started. I'm trying to really backtrack and cover this thing. 
And so he's sitting there in prison and he, he's deciphering their dreams and they come true. And he has one request. He says, don't forget about me. Don't forget about me. Tell me, tell them about me to Pharaoh. Like, don't, don't forget about me. Well, what happens? The person who actually lived through and fulfilled their dream uh, that, that had been given to Joseph, they come through seven years. They wait. And then all of a sudden, Pharaoh needs a dream interpreted. And they're like, hey, wait, we know a guy. So he waits seven years to even get to this spot. Once he does it, he, he gives this dream. He gives this interpretation. He, 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 he he's on point through, through God. And, and, and then he, he gets elevated to this position. So that's where we're at right now. Just so you're caught up. Just so you're ready to go. There's not as much scripture here, especially compared to last time. There's only about seven verses here. I'd like to just start in four. This is what it says. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother, Joseph, the one that you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourself for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will not be a uh, plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you, for you, a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. Verse 8, so then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made, he made me father to Pharaoh, Lord of his entire household and ruler of all of Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all of Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me, you and your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and herds, all you have. Verse 11, I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become desolate. Destitute. I'm sorry about that. There you go. So that's how, you, that's how this ends. And I think even in this, in, in this entire chapter, uh, in this entire narrative of Joseph and his story, but especially in these seven verses, we see that God sets his people in many seasons so that he can provide for them. You see, I want you guys to realize that there is importance behind every season of life. Joseph says that the events that he experienced was to save lives. It was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. He expresses zero plans for revenge. And I don't know about you, but that would be really hard for me to endure all of what he endured, to see the people who sold you into slavery and kick-started this whole thing, to, to, to become face-to-face -face with them. Man, I would lose it just straight up. Like, that's where I would be at. But he says, no, 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 no. Nothing's going to happen to you. Don't worry. I forgive you. I love you. And he makes this point four times in these verses. He said, God sent me before you to preserve life. God sent me in advance of you to preserve a great number. You see, Joseph was adamant in his conversations with his brothers as he's trying to calm them down because you can imagine on the flip side, if you sold your brother out and then you're face to face with him and he's one of the most powerful people in government, you're like, uh-oh, I'm dead. Like, that's just how that's going to go. But he's very adamant in calming his brother's fear. And he explains to them that the famine is going to continue for five years more. 
showing further that had it not been for God sending Joseph, they would have died for, of starvation for sure. And I don't know if you know this, but there is this, this covenant that God created in the beginning of, of Genesis that was going to go all the way through the Old Testament, all the way through until Jesus is coming when, when there would be a new covenant. But if something happened to this particular family, that covenant was going to be dead in the water completely. So it was always a plan of God's to preserve a remnant. And then, and then when you look in verse, uh, verse 7, you see the word sent. It's similar of a description of someone doing the Lord's work. An example of this is like the prophets, the prophets who, who spoke on behalf of, of the Lord, spoke on behalf of God. He's saying, I was sent the same way that the prophets have been sent. My mission was bigger than whatever I was facing in the seasons that I, that I had. This word remnant in verse 7 is unique because it pertains to the survival of a nation or the people group, right? This is what I was kind of explaining. He had to preserve these people. If they failed to survive, the whole of the human family would die without, without salvation hope. It's ordinated to the future. And then we also see these valleys of life, these valleys of life as, as a negative and a setback. And we always are seeking out to see God's plan. And we attribute success as God's plan being fulfilled in our lives. But I think this particular uh, section here and the entire narrative of Joseph is important to know that not every loss is a loss and not all gains are success. I think if you can get that in your head as you, as you work through your salvation, as you walk with the Lord, that not all losses are truly losses and not all gains are truly successes. I think it's going to be really important for you uh, moving forward, especially if you're an older, you know, high school or upperclassman or, or even senior who's, who's going to be um, graduating here pretty soon. You know, I, I think just for my life, I came into college, speaking of seniors, I came into college as a music major, and uh, that was really dumb. <laughs> if you don't know, I make music. I love making music. It's so much fun, but I have no skill set when it comes to um, theory or, or the, the, the really heavy musical side of things. I just don't have an ear for that. I'm more the production, recording, engineering side of music, and and I remember switching my, my majors to, to youth ministry. And I remember there was a ton of failures that came in struggling with those classes, those music classes that I was just barely passing because I just didn't. I was like, I don't know this. I, I'm learning it. I'm trying my best. But like everybody seems to be here and I'm like here and cut my GPA down a lot. And I just remember struggling and thinking like, why is this happening? But then Again, looking back with that amazing rearview vision, I see that it's formative in shaping who I did want to be. The kind of person, the kind of learner, the kind of student that I did want to be, the kind of, of leader that I did want to be. All of these classes and seeming uh, failures that I had, they were all building me up and preparing me for what God was, was doing. I think there's another point here to, to be had, and I'm actually only doing two points tonight. I know it's crazy, but I want you guys to know this, that God wants to provide for his people. 
We talked about this last week about how God provides for his people despite whatever is going on. We see this here. God is providing for, for this family, providing for Joseph, sustaining him through what's going on. God has a desire to provide for his people. I think this is, is, is an amazing thing just in forgiveness. So again, I know this is kind of off on a tangent, but, but Joseph, when he's talking to his brothers, he denies their responsibility of his enslavement. That's kind of weird, isn't it? It's like they're the ones who profited. They're the ones who made the money. They're the ones who got rid of their brother. Like obviously it's their fault. But Joseph, not once in this, in this interaction, not once, not once does he say, this is your fault. This is, the re- this is your doing. The reason that I'm in this position is because of you. He points to God's purpose transcending everything that they did. It transcended their jealousy. It transcended their evil actions. It transcended the corruption and the, the, the misleading information that Joseph was, was subjected to and in leading into his enslavement uh, and his imprisonment. You know, his position as a ruler was more a treasury type. And, and, and this is why when they ask, do you intend on reigning over us? He's like, no, that's really not why I'm here. That's really not why I'm here. You see, Joseph talks and tells his brothers of a plan to send them out to go get their father, Jacob, and bring him back with him because he's going to set the whole region of Goshen for them. And they were going to continue to raise their families and their livestock and they were going to be provided for amidst the famine. It's to illustrate something very, very, very important. God's chosen people we're going to be dwelling in safety and prosperity at the end of Genesis, at the end of the book that talks about how God is providing for, for, for all of these, these patriarchs, all of these people, from Abraham all the way down. We see that, that they were going to be provided for. They were going to be prosperous, much how Genesis began. At the very beginning, before the fall even, they were going to be provided for and they were going to prosperly live. And, and, and I, I just want you guys to realize this. God desires for us to be put in positions that we can take care of ourselves and take care of others as well. God is putting you in a position of leadership, of walking through this season to be able to lead other people. I think it's an incredible um, thing that we have on our, on our plates to become leaders and to, to really shepherd our own situations, whether it's friend groups or, or families or, or whatever. We have an amazing opportunity to take up those positions the same way Joseph took up that position of high leadership with, with Egypt. You see, we have a call to use our positions to lead and to guide others. You see, in Acts 16, uh, I'm not going to read it, but in Acts 16, you see Paul and Silas, and they were being kept in prison. And, 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 and their praise, even though they were in prison, their praise made them free. And then this led to the jailer asking about what they could do to be saved. Remember, if you, if you don't know, they, they, they praised God so much, so passionately, that he actually swung open all the gates. And this guard who's guarding over all these prisoners is like, oh, they're gone, so 
there's no way that like I'm going to be able to, to keep my job. So I'll just take this sword and kind of, you know, we'll just end it here. And Paul and Silas call out to, to this guy and they say, no, 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 we're all here. Don't do anything like you're, you're fine. And they end up sharing, sharing uh, about how to be saved. And then he ends up aiding Paul and Silas in leaving the, the, the prison. You know, God ordained for Paul and Silas to be in that prison so that that guard could be saved, that, God, that guard could know God. That was a position that they were ordained to be in. Might look like the situation's grave and dim and it's not going to work out, but let me tell you something. It's incredible to see what God can do when we allow him to place us where he wants to place us. You see, God sets his people up for many seasons so that he can provide in all of them. I would urge you uh, this week to go and look in Genesis, to, to read the narrative of Joseph, to read all of the hardships, to read all of the things that he went through, but then to be able to see God's provision through every single thing that happened all the way leading up to this culmination here where he reveals himself to his brothers and he tells them, hey, I'm going to be able to provide for you. Come with me and let's live in prosperity. You see, my college experience, my college experience and my lifetime just in general, I know it's not too much longer than you guys, but it's true. God has, has provided for me in the season of downs, the season of valleys, the season where it seems like, why is this happening? What is going on here? God's there providing for me. And then in these hilltop moments, these, these mountaintop moments that I have, I look and I see God still providing, still pouring out his blessing on us. And I think that that's incredible to see that God works through the hills and the valleys. He works through the seasons. He provides for us through the seasons. He provides, through, uh, he provides to us through our sin, through our sinful nature. He, he, in the same way that, that Joseph is not keeping a record of wrong because he understood the greater picture of what was going on, God does the same thing for us. He looks at the, the, the whole of our salvation and our being, man. We're sinful nature. That's just, that's just natural to us. That's what's going to happen. Yet, we have an incredible opportunity to have relationship with him. And we have an incredible opportunity to lean back and rest on him and know that he's going to provide for us. Thank you so much for, for listening. I'd like to just pray uh, over us in this time and then uh, we'll come on with a little bit of announcements kind of talking about the schedule. That's kind of been the, the gist of how we do this thing. So let's just go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, we thank you so much for each and every person who's watching this online. Lord, I thank you that you provide for us. You're a God who provides in the midst of our sin and our sinful nature, our selfish nature. Lord, you provide for us uh, no matter what we are, are going through. Lord, whatever season it is that we're walking in the midst of, Lord, I, I thank you that you are there and you're providing for us. All we have to do is lean on you and lean on your word. Lord, I pray for each and every student, each and every family, all of the parents, Lord, that whatever season they're walking through, Lord, that you would have your hand over them. You would be able to bless them. You would be able to allow them to just rest and lean on you and know that you have their back. You are going to provide for them no matter, no matter what the sin, no matter what the, the, the circumstance. 
Lord, you're there for them. You're in, you're, you're, you're in our corner. And Lord, all we have to do is just lean on you, trust you, and, and serve you with all of our hearts. We thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are a provider. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for watching. Maybe you're checking this out on Facebook. We would urge you to like our LifePoint Youth page. You can also check us out on Instagram at LPYouthAZ. And uh, you can check out our LifePoint Youth audio podcast uh, on Apple Podcasts and uh, Spotify. It's an awesome time. It's an awesome resource that we are able to do. And our YouTube is still a little barren. We still only have just the quarantine services. But man, we are going to be packing that out with a ton of content that we just can't wait to, to get started. Um, be on the lookout for everything that LifePoint Church is doing as well. Uh, we have our LifePoint Church main uh, YouTube channel that you can check out, our main Facebook that you can also check out. And uh, we would just urge you to, to join us Sunday, man. It's going to be an incredible time together. And just keep pressing in. I know, it, I know it can be crazy. I know it can be hard. But I think it's just incredibly important to know, man, God has our backs. God is in our corner. And we can just rest and, and, and rely on Him for everything that we're walking through. Thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you back here next week.